1: Welcome to another edition of the Grizzden Podcast. Ty and Brantley are here, and we are going to introduce the biggest storylines that we'll be watching out for heading into the off season. Um, we have we have a list here. There's a lot that could go uh, many different ways this off season, and so um, before we start at the top, Ty, what's up? How you doing?
2: Hanging in, hanging. <laughs>
0: BD in. sounds like Zach Lowe. <laughs> That's right. Uh, man, I'm I'm doing I'm doing just lovely. Love chatting with you guys about the Grizzlies. I mean, Warriors? this is this is the exciting Warriors? stuff right here. This is this is
1: where this we is are we for. speculating, especially when you're a team like the Grizzlies, who many have called like the biggest player in this off season, potentially based on resources um, and standing in the league. I mean. That is, it's it's we've literally had uh, no more exciting time than this to be a Grizzlies fan in this off season. I'm telling you, um, Grizz but
2: getting, we, getting a uh, top shot or whatever that golf thing's called, Top Golf is just gonna everyone's gonna want to come. That's right.
1: <laughs> Memphis Top Golf is proven to be the biggest draw for free agency <laughs> in the NBA. Um, all right, let's start at the top. We've got John ja Morant eligible to sign a max extension on July 1st. His uh, extension that he'll sign will be for five years $186 million if he decides to take it. Apparently, the biggest thing to negotiate is going to be if he gets a player option in the fifth year. Uh, But he recently said in his exit interview that, uh, does he want to stay in Memphis? Hell yeah. So that was great to hear. Um, I will say this. There is a caveat that if he does make All-NBA um next season, that hundred and eighty six million dollar deal will increase to two hundred and twenty two million dollars over five Jeez. years. So he'll be eligible for the Supermax extension, which um I don't know about you guys, but I'm gonna pay John Morant every dollar that he's eligible to make. Um to me this is a no brainer. What do y'all think about this extension?
0: Yep.
2: Yep.
1: <laughs> and there you have it, folks. <coughs> Analysis. Yep, and yep. <laughs> and that's make it at three yeps because uh, this is going to happen. Uh, we lock in a uh, our superstar, and it's safe to say that now. And this apparently will be the very first max rookie extension the Grizzlies have ever signed, which I don't know if that says more about Ja or that says more about the Grizzlies, but I am thankful that Morant is that player. And you're
2: telling me OJ Mayo didn't get the Max extension?
1: I'm telling you. I mean, he could have. Or Rudy. Rudy. Yeah,
2: I know. Ooh, Rudy. It
1: was we had such an acquired team and Mike Conley too was such a late bloomer um that he wasn't he wasn't part of that rookie extension, uh, max extension class. Um but Ja, I mean, there's so much to be said, and yet at the same time, we don't feel like it needs to be said because everybody knows. And uh, we are excited that John Morant will be a Grizzly, knock on wood, um, for who knows how long. Hopefully it's rest for a very life. long time. Um, the next one, which is, to me, um, arguably the most interesting part of this these storylines. And we, we have a lot to unpack here, and so this is just sort of the introduction. But the Tyus Jones and Kyle Anderson free agencies, um, for what it's worth, Tyus is el- eligible to sign a uh, four-year up to $55 million contract. He can sign that until the the last day of June, um, but if they do not come to an agreement on an extension, and it doesn't have to be that. It can be below that. But if they don't come to an agreement, he will become an unrestricted free agent. Same with Kyle Anderson. If there's no extension agreement before that date, then they will be unrestricted and contest the market. Um, so, guys, I mean you we have talked about these two players a lot this season and what their long term potential could be on this team. uh what do you feel at a high level about each of these guys? We'll start with you, Brantley.
0: yeah, maybe before i I do that, I'm curious like what's sort of the implication of like what availability we have against the cap going into next season? I know it's sort of variable. is there so, like a range? If we t- if we retain these two guys at
1: what is considered, you know, maybe an like an average market value for them, then we will be most likely operating as an over the cap team, and what that means is is we don't necessarily have space to sign free agents above the mid level exception, which is going to be around ten million dollars. If
0: we keep Kyle and Tyus and if do we keep them. Extension
1: if we keep Kyle and Ty's, and JAWS extension actually won't have Impact any cap year, impacts right. yeah. for next year, but, um, those are the two. And so they're if they do, let's say we do not retain either of them. We will have up to around $20 million in cap space to sign free agents. Um, if they don't sign, if everything, if we don't extend. True. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, it's going to be really interesting. I think that the Tyus market especially, I mean, he's gotten – there have been some rumors out there uh, for him um, signing the with Knicks. a couple teams. Um, like, the Knicks have been brought up. I know that, like, I I don't know. There, there are a couple teams out there that I think could use a guy like Tyus. He's going to have to decide whether he wants to take, you know, a starter role on a team that might not be <laughs> – quite as good as the Grizzlies or if he's comfortable uh, being in Memphis. One thing that I wanted to throw out there is I've heard um, from John Hollinger, uh, who was on Chris Vernon's show. He said that if he were in the Grizzlies' shoes, he would propose signing Tyus to like a one-year deal that's pretty big, like a 20000000 million million-dollar one-year deal. And then after that, seeing if he'll have like sort of a handshake agreement to re-sign for a smaller deal after that. So you take care of him on the front end before John Morant's supermax extension kicks in, and then he's kind of your backup long-term. What would y'all think about that?
0: Well, maybe before I answer that question specifically, I'm really sorry. This is about to be bad pod or bad moderator. I just, like, I can't help but, like, answer the Kyle Tyus discussion without also, like, thinking about how Kleiman handled um sort of his pov on moving forward like they're just so tied together it's hard to like separate the future of those guys without how he said and one of the things that i was doing was just trying to be like because Kleiman has historically sort of been pretty closed off to the media right like i mean he 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 will do his thing at exit interviews and media days but up until really like Jaw like sort of like making his bet on, you know, prior to the season at media days, like claiming job will, you know, make the all-star game like type of thing. He had not really, I don't know, like talked game, I guess you would say last year, the theme coming out of exit interviews was all around growth. It was all around like, Hey, this was sort of like the theme between Jenkins to all players to even climb in was just like, Hey, like, you know, we've, we did some good things this year. We made it to the, you know, to against Utah. You know, we lost in the first round. It's all about sort of like we're just kind of at the beginning stages. We're just sort of like now trying to assess who we are. It's time to grow as players, grow as an organization. We've gone from zero to something, and it's time to grow. If you compare that to this season or this exit interviews where Kleinman is quoted as saying like, It's time for us to be opportunistic to build out our roster. The cap space numbers are going to get thrown around. That doesn't include first round pick cap holes. I wouldn't rule anything out Um, towards the end. He basically was saying like, hey, like we've um, we know that our window is open. Like those are all things that to me, like I sort of like heard that and I was like, okay, this is a guy that's starting to match his operational thinking of players alongside of his team's mentality. His team wants to smoke. They're going to go out there and compete with the best. Now it's his time. He's seeing the, and and realistically the windows open. We were the two seed. We competed against, um, a, you know, a team, uh, that has championship pedigree and made it to, and is making it to the, you know, the Western conference finals. And you don't know how long our window is open. So I think it's fair to say our window is open. That's a real thing. You don't really know. You look at this season and, like, man, you're like, goodness, if we had figured out how to pull out a couple of those Golden State wins, I mean, I don't know. It would be sort of interesting going up against Luka, like the luka Jaw thing. All of a sudden, maybe you've got a realistic conversation to make it to the finals for the first time in the franchise history. I mean, it's like, so all of that. I just think there's an interesting comparison to how we were talking, how climb in the front office was openly talking about us last year, heading into this off season where we made, you know, like we talked about in the last podcast, some fringe decisions that weren't active at the trade deadline. we made some things to set us up to move up in the draft to maybe open and allow the growth to happen in the regular season versus this year where, he's openly saying all bets are off. And I think that that, I I think that's a fascinating conversation, like even like deeper than just like Kyle and Tyus. And I don't know. That's the kind of thing that I think that has to sort of frame how we think about um, these two players in particular, because it's like sort of like the way to think about it is, does this help enhance or improve our roster? and the funds that we have available moving forward. And and that's going to be the strategic lens that I think the front office is going to view all transactions and opportunities through.
1: They're in, in those interviews, all signs point to them moving what has always been since climate took over a long-term window. And he is basically openly saying he's moving that to now. Yeah. Which is, which is nuts. I mean, it really is when you look at all of the different rhetoric coming out uh, of the front office in the first couple of years up to now, um, and I think they got to know too. I mean, they there aren't necessarily, and we'll get into this, but there aren't a ton of free agent options, and so you know they're probably looking at this saying, you know, is cap space our friend? this offseason because in a free agent rich environment, the teams with cap space are in a more advantageous position. You know, with that said, are they thinking trade Yeah. and they use the word opportunistic that t- seems to be involved more in trade conversations than, you know, signings. So there could be some, you know, Easter eggs in there that we can, take and apply <laughs> to what we think will happen. But yeah, I think you're completely right. And I think that the way that you frame that is
0: how we should think through what could happen in this off season. Yeah. You know? And so I'm just, like, I'm on the record as like, I'm a Tyus guy. Like I've said multiple times, I sort of think that like him and his role is so critical to like this team, you know, wh- what helps when jog gets injured having someone that can truly ball handle and play off the ball in big moments in a playoff series. And so maybe that's just a role that we've identified and we don't have to like go out and take care of Tyus, for instance, you know, to the Hollinger point. I think that's an interesting strategy. I don't, I think that that only makes sense if like, it doesn't prevent us from making the type of big move that they're saying that they're now like, we've been wondering for a long time, when's the moment, do we go start to push some chips in? We've just been making fringe moves. Like we've been, like if you look at the final four teams available, half of the teams in the playoffs right now, Suns, Mavericks, Heat, and Celtics, half of those teams made fringe moves in the middle of the season to make their teams better to get to where they're at. The Celtics got Tice and they got white from the Spurs uh, the Mavericks traded Chris Stops and gotten dim witty back, got Woat Bertans who hasn't really helped out a ton, but he's played some spot minutes and made a big difference. And the other half didn't. And so it's like, what type of, you know, are we setting ourselves up to make moves preseason or be on the fringes ready to like help us in the middle of the season? I think both of those are up for consideration maybe. And so like, if you make some moves with Tyus I don't know, I know the full you know stat sheet in front of me or salary sheet in front of me, but if you do what Honda is suggesting and give that guy 20 million, there's a chance that you're not as flexible at, 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 at to make some fringe moves at the trade deadline to move and help your team make it to the Western Conference finals next year, which is now sort of the goal we've set ourselves up to win second we we gotta like if we're gonna improve every year like we talked about, It's winning the second round now and making it to the Western Conference Finals. And I also think that means Kyle's gone. That's the way I read that. I I just see... I I see guys that didn't help us, obviously, in this playoff series on the out.
1: I also think, too, that one of the reasons that Kyle was in-house is because of his sort of vet... Leadership, I think, number one, we have a guy like Steven Adams who's on the books for next year. He's going to be on the team for one more year. And number two, you're seeing our young guys actually step up and be leaders, and they're ready to, like, take the mantle in a way. And I love Kyle. Um, I would not at this point expect him – if he had shot the ball as well as he did last season, then he has a place. Like, I have no doubt he has a place. Um, But – I think that he is there. If I had to guess, <laughs> I don't. I think we probably give him like a smaller offer than he probably wants, um, because he's a guy that, you know, is just not going to demand. Um, he doesn't have as much leverage with this team as he would others. So I, I'm kind of with you. I would be um, more surprised if he ended up signing than if he didn't. Uh, but I guess we'll see. Um, it's those two, I mean, it's a big swing decision because they're two guys that have been our veterans and have kind of steadied the ship in times of disarray. And is it time now to just hand the keys fully over and to upgrade those two guys into maybe one who uh, who's a bit better? The other guys that are extension eligible this summer, Brandon Clark, Dylan Brooks, and Steven Adams. Um, Basically, when you're extension eligible, it means you're in the summer before the last year of your deal. So I'll be really interested to see what those deals look like, especially with a guy like Brandon Clark. Like, what's his number? What's his demand going to be for a guy who plays a very specific role and can't exactly shoot? Um, Dylan, I mean... (laughs) we've had our issues uh with him so is there has he has he tanked his value to the point where you're in a similar position as last time you extended him to where you can keep him on like a low deal or is he a guy that you know do you shop him around and see what you can get uh i mean that's got to be a question you ask and then steven adams i would i would be pretty surprised if he was given an extension I have on these sheets kind of up to what they can get I don't think Dylan Brooks or Steven Adams are going to get up to those numbers they're pretty high um but just to note that those are the other people uh other players eligible for extension. would you also
0: say then um, well that those are also guys who are sign and trade eligible to or sign and trade potentials for us to be thinking through like how they can move off some of those guys
1: Yeah, the thing with sign-and-trade is when you do sign-and-trade, or I don't know if you can actually do a sign-and-trade with an extension. Um, I'd have to look that up. I I don't think you can. I think it has to be like your own free agent that you're you're signing and then trading. Um, That new contract that's going to kick in the year directly after. Um, But... Anyway, and I do know that when you sign and trade, you do hard cap yourself um, at a certain number. That's it's called the the apron. So um, good question. Um, I don't know the answer, but I could find I it.
2: don't think you can do. Yeah, I think you can only sign and trade a person that's essentially like an unrestricted free agent. So it's a way. Yep to basically, let's say, like Detroit, Orlando, and Milwaukee are all trying to get Tyus. And basically, all three are going to sign him to whatever they can sign him to. They can all offer him essentially the same thing. We could basically call Orlando and be like, what do you want for Tyus? What are you going to give us in return? We could call all three teams. And basically, that assures – let's say Orlando offers us the best option. That assures that Orlando gets them gets him and we also get something in return.
1: And we have bird rights on Tyus. Uh, so we can essentially sign him for a little bit longer than any other team can. And so that yep. incentivizes, you know, Tyus to want to sign on our books, but then we get an asset in return if we trade him. Yep. So we don't lose him for nothing. Um, just to kind of round this out, we have two first round picks as of right now in the draft coming up. Um, and second round pick. Actually, we might have two second round picks. Um, we have our the Jazz first round pick, uh, as well as our own. The draft is on June 23rd, and then free agency kicks off July 1st. So We're going to really get into some free agent options. We're going to get into some fake trades and uh, see if we can uh, kind of Put the uh, different categories of kind of swing for the fences, middle of the road, uh, but I don't know this team. Like we said, don't be surprised with what happens.
0: So let me uh, let me ask you this really quickly: Who would you be surprised if, besides Jaw? Let's just take Jaw and Bane. Let's just take Jaw off the table. Who do you think is el- Who is not eligible? To be moved off of this team, in the front office's mindset, not your opinion, like what you desire.
2: So you're saying from the from front, front office's POV, perspective, who are he's they? Saying
0: basically Zaire. You're okay. They won't move. On. You think Jaron? Okay.
1: I think Zaire, I think it's Jaron and Bain.
2: Maybe I, maybe I could see Zaire just because he's so cost controlled and he's so young. But I think the the main two are Jaron and, and Bain for sure. I think everyone else could could. Everyone
0: me else, point. so that's what we're sort of saying, like what we're reading in between the lines on climbing. It's like, for sure. Yes. Yeah.
2: And he
1: and you got to look at kind of who are the guys making the contracts that could match a big salary, and it's yep. the Dylan Brooks contract, it's the Stephen Adams contract, um, and depending Melton, on what you sure. do and Melton. Um, so, yeah
2: um one thing i wanted to bring up too so if you look at what we kind of did last year like we traded away grayson basically to give bain a runway like i wonder what do y'all think that looks like as far as like where that's signing trading, just not bringing kyle back to give zaire a runway do y'all think there's a chance that happens or do you think that's not really in the cards I think thinking along the lines of how we did, you know, with Grayson and Bain, because Grayson played a lot, and we basically got rid of him, so Bain could could come in.
1: Yeah, I think you could totally see that.
2: It makes it makes all the sense
1: in the world. I mean, Zaire and Kyle play pretty much the same position. You'd hope that Zaire can't quite hang yet um, on defense like Kyle can, but I mean, that's just to me like a clear, a clear and easy path. To get more PT for Zaire. Yeah
0: I think that's a There's a great point On the getting rid of Grayson Side of things Um, That's one way That I could see us doing it But I Man I I really wonder Who I'm about to I really wonder If Jaron is in that mindset For them
2: Like untouchable? I think so for sure I'd be shocked. I would be, I would be absolutely, absolutely shocked yeah, if he got dealt too. at this point.
1: Um, I think that you, I think that you just lose too much uh, with him. Like I don't know what I could get in return that would be worth losing a guy that young uh, who anchors a defense that wouldn't be a lot without him. So it would have to be a guy. It would have to be like an upgrade at his position, with some of the same trajectory. And I don't know
2: how many guys there are out there, but I mean, I yeah I we'll agree. See. I think for him to be 22 years old and led the league in blocks, um, total blocks and blocks per game. Um, his three-point percentage of these playoffs was back up to around 38%, so that was pretty encouraging to see on pretty high volume. One thing I was talking to you all earlier today, like if you watch kind of Aiton, everyone's like, Aiton, great rim protector, kind of got played off the floor a little bit in the Dallas series, kind of got taken advantage of because they just got the switch on Luka. Yes, I know Luka can – I mean, no one can really guard him. But I was kind of talking to y'all earlier, I just feel like defensively now, Jaron's gotten to a point where he can't really get played off the floor with the caveat of the fouls, obviously. Like, he can play himself off by fouling too much and getting in foul trouble. But, like, he can play every type of way that you want to defensively. And if you watch the playoffs, I, I saw a stat that was really interesting to me. Basically, like, I think Maxi Kleber has played the most minutes of anyone like 6'10 and up in the playoffs, which is kind of wild, which basically says to me like your big guy has to be able to stretch the floor a little bit um, and has to be able to switch and guard the perimeter guys. And to me, Jaron is just like they the prototypical guy who can do both those things crazy well. Um, yes, he can be, obviously be frustrating at times. Yes, I feel like his offense – has a ways to go, but I feel like there are moments, especially defensively, where you're just like, God, he's everywhere all the time. Um, and I, I, I feel like I personally have to always remember he's 22. He's the second youngest player on our roster, which is insane. Let me
0: ask you, let me just, let me just play devil's advocate for a second, because this is... I knew but, it was coming. I knew so it. So, like, if Jaron gives you the ability to go get you a true number two... I'm talking oh man this is about to be like I don't I don't love all these n- people but I'm just gonna name them if it's <laughs> like what if it's like let's just say like Booker or or Levine or these guys that we know could come in and where they would definitely be in the playoffs a guy that's an elite Number two scorer next to Jock could be number one some nights if you need him. If you're climbing I, I'm I'm just telling y'all, I'm reading that statement and thinking anything is possible. Even Jaron, potentially. That's what I I may be dead wrong, and we're never gonna really know, but that's what I sort of think.
1: Here's here's one thing that gives me pause on that is the way in which jenkins was talking about the specific developmental plans for jaron this offseason and i would be shocked if somehow he and climate aren't on the same page and i just think that he wouldn't be as candid about those specific things that he wants to work with jaron on if, I mean, Jenkins had Jenkins and JV had I mean,
0: um, comments by the way last year about his development plan. I know it's a little different. I'm just again, this is what I do.
1: No, that's great. I'm I, with you. I think that if you, if we turn around and in three months we have a, you know, blockbuster involving Jaren, you're gonna be you're gonna be the one guy <laughs> who was who was basically predicting that it could I'm be not thing. also saying uh, I want
0: it by the way I just see that and I'm like hey look, look look let me throw something else out there just like freaking nuts I'm not saying this is the thing or we would do it but there was all that Zion smoke where people were being like it it, it was sort of some smoke and Jalen Rose said it and it hasn't happened since then but I'm like that's the kind of stuff that could be a. am th- not saying it's Jaren but those are I mean, like, let's be real. When you watch, like, what held up the Bucks from making it to their to another Eastern Conference Finals yesterday?
1: Um, probably Middleton being not having a true
0: number two. He's not even really a true number two. But Giannis is so good that he makes him a number two. That's all I'm saying. Like, I would love. uh, I think I just that's what I that's the way I read. I, I don't. I'm surprised that they're already there, but that's what I sort of see that statement meaning.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think to me, it's going to have to be like, I think in an ideal world, climb and seize Jaren is like a great number three. So I get your point of like, can you up, up, if you upgrade a, a three slash maybe two to a surefire two slash maybe one, like, On paper, that trade makes sense. But I think the opportunity cost of what you're losing. um, But just the fact that Jaron could be the perfect Draymond-esque guy behind two, you know, outside scorers who can fill it up. I... I think that prospect is their ideal, and I don't know how they're going to get there with the current pieces, especially if they don't want to give up a guy like Bain. Um, but who knows? Stranger Who's more knows untouchable,
2: Bain or Jaron?
0: Now, this is my opinion. Now, I want y'all to answer this from your own personal feelings.
2: Personally, I think I think Jaron is probably more untouchable, and I'll I'll say why. Kind of coming off your last point too. I think the type of player that Jaron is, maybe a little bit still in theory, but still like what he's shown flashes of, especially defensively, just everything that he brings, I think those players are incredibly rare to find. And they are much harder to find than a 6'6'2 guard who can shoot well from three. Not any, obviously, I'm not, you know, trying to take any credit away from Bane and what he's done like that's he's awesome. Love Bane so much, but I feel like if Jaron like reaches his potential, there are truly only a handful of guys in the league that could be on his level. And I'm not saying he may never get there, but I think if he does get there, I think Jaron could truly be like, everyone would look at him in the league and be like, I have to have that guy. Where do I go find one of those guys? that's kind of where I feel like a, I just feel like we can't trade Jaron right now in his development. I get it that like the surefire number two thing, like I completely understand that, but almost if you to throw out the names like Booker and Levine, like I feel like those guys, oddly enough may be more available than the Jaron type of player. Um, Especially again, I just keep going back to like bigs in, in the playoffs getting played off the floor And all that kind of stuff. Like I just feel like teams are just like starving for a seven-footer who can lead the league in blocks and also shoot thirty-eight percent from three. And that's essentially what Jaron did in the playoffs. I just feel like that's so rare that you have to see that play out. Like you just have to.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm with. I'm with Ty here. I I think. I. I want both of them. Honestly, I mean, I want Bane and Jaron. That wasn't the question, but like, you what you get in Jaron if he's playing at his peak is as unique as you'll see in the NBA. And I don't think that – I think that if you trade Jaron for a guy who primarily plays on the perimeter and probably isn't at a point like, for instance, the Levines, the Bookers, they're just not near defensively um, what you need. And I think we're seeing how important defensive is. Or defense is in the playoffs, and having a guy like Jaron, but again, it's a big if. Like it's we're we're talking theoretically here. We're talking development. We're talking long term future. So, um, and and it, we'll see if it's going to be if we're having the same conversation next year. That could be a sign. Uh, he is only 22, 23. So, um, that's I mean, listen.
2: That's a it's a big discussion.
1: And it has to I'm be I'm just had.
2: trying to I'm trying to think of like other decently like young bigs. Like how many bigs, even like under like twenty eight, would you take moving forward besides like would you rather have Towns or Jaron for the next eight years?
0: Well, let me just let me ask actions. it this way. Of the final four in the in the current fi- in the you know, in the NBA playoffs, like, who's investing in their bigs? Like we're investing in Jaren, Bam.
2: But I don't think any of them have a big like Jaren. Yeah, Bam's a, Bam's a great. Bam, example, Bam is actually. one
0: of of the four. Draymond sort of, but he's unique. Yep. He's different. I don't. I wouldn't put him in the same Jaren category. Last year, it was you know everybody loved Aiton. Last year, this year they're really off of him. You know, and you, the Bucks had a traditional big who could sort of shoot a three in Lopez I just I don't know, like I love Jaron I'm not on team Trey Jaron I'm on t- team I think he may be based on reading those quotes I'm just saying that I think that they're thinking about upgrading the entire roster to fit who this new gris pedigree of a person is, which uh, may be a future podcast discussion of, like, let's identify, like, what that means to fit. You know, we have a type now, which is super fun. I, it would not surprise me if he's in that consideration set. And, I, I mean, mainly because I just, you can't count on him to get you a bucket all the time in the playoffs when it really matters. And I think you need it if you're investing that type of salary in him so that's why I'd be considering it based on those quotes. Well,
1: that is quite the tease for the off season. Uh, We have a lot of discussions to be had. We are not going to get to it all on this podcast. This is, I hope this served as a as a good introduction for the type of conversations we're going to have uh, throughout the off season, topic by topic. Um, this has been a lot of fun. There's a lot to come. So for Brantley, for time, will. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you soon.